0: darkness my old friend i've come to talk with you again if your soccer team is crap clap your hands if your soccer team is crap clap your hands if your soccer team is crap and you really want to show it if your soccer team is crap clap your hands that's the mood coming out of the milan derby the much anticipated milan derby something we were all waiting for inter hate week Milan is red, I said. The last thing of the last podcast. And you know what? Apparently, no it isn't. Because from top to bottom, disaster. Disaster. And for context, Milan at home, in the home leg of the Derby, trot Lucas Belia. Hakan Chalanoglu, Andrea Conti, and Ricardo Rodriguez onto the pitch, on purpose, mind you, and proceed to absolutely get run over for the first 30 minutes of the game. Front foot for 15, try it again in the second half, concede due to stupidity and uselessness, and then we're down. And that was it. Because if Antonio Conte knows how to do one thing, it is defend a lead. And that is exactly what Inter did. So here we are. Milan just lost again. And not only did we lose, we got humiliated. It was absolutely shocking seeing this team go out there and do what you can only describe as giving it a shot. Because what they did... Wasn't good enough, and I have sat here on this podcast. I have defended Belia. I've said, you know what, maybe he's of use, you know, he can do it. I'm done with him. I've sat here, I said, I'm willing to give Andre Conti a chance. My quote last week was, If he's on, he's good. Well, you know what, if that's what it takes to get him on or anything close. I'm done. Get him out of here. Ricardo Ricardo Rodriguez, I'm done. I cannot see him anymore. And Chalinoglu is another one I've defended. He's done too. This was a shambolic derby. From top to bottom, we got humiliated. It was gross. It was absolutely shocking. So, on that note, Welcome to The Devil Wears Rossonero, I'm Patrick soul alongside Tim Fontenot, at Stoll underscore P, at D W R. he's back on Twitter, and at Rocinero. as always, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, this is, I mean, get in touch with us, let, let us know, if you haven't already, let us know what you think, because the entire AC Milan offside was appalled by that performance on Saturday. It was the worst way to start a weekend. It was the worst way to wrap up a Saturday afternoon. And I just I just came out, there so many, remember how we said, oh, Verona, you know, there's more negatives than positives, but there's not a whole lot to learn. There was a lot to learn from this game. A whole heck of a lot to learn from this game. Which is why I say, if your soccer team is crap, clap your hands. Because we sure are. We're bad. That This is the lesson for me, is that we might have some good players, and we might be able to put it together, but right now, we're not good. And on that note, I'll bring in my man, Tim Fontenot. Tim, how are you, buddy? I hope that your week has recovered, because I know that you were having as bad a time as the rest of us out there on Saturday.
1: Yeah, wasn't great. Still not great. Not great, bud. I, I don't know what else to say. I am as mad as you just eloquently put it. And I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands right now. I mean, I want to put them through walls. I want to, like, wave them around and shout and scream. And I just I can't believe what we watched. And that says so much because we all went into this game saying we knew they were going to lose. Losing wasn't necessarily the problem with this game. Obviously, you never want to lose to Inter. You never want to lose to your biggest rival, especially in that home leg. That was embarrassing. And I just... I, the same players that you just identified, Rodriguez, Conti, Chalinolu, Bilia, those are the same players that I'm done with. Those are the same players that everyone is screaming about being done with right now. And this comes back to two simple words that I have used probably 30 times out loud and 50,000 times in my mind since that game. Lineup selection. This boils down, before you get into the nuance of the things that happened on the field, this comes down to lineup selection, and Marco Giampaolo missed again. I don't understand at this point. I know he's only had something like 110 minutes out there on the field, because for whatever reason, Jean Paolo has decided that Ismael Benassir is not the Regista. I, how? That is criminal at this point. If you can sit there and watch Lucas Belia, and decide that Ismael Benassir is not your main man in the middle of that park, then what the hell are you doing on that sideline?
0: Yeah, don't know what to tell you.
1: Don't know what you're watching. That is just the baseline. You, you can make cases for Chalinolu Rodriguez, and you had to make the argument for Conti because I was psychotic last week. Barini was never going to play in that position, and God help us if Barini played in that position in that game. Conti was your only option because you have Calabria, and then you don't have a quality backup right back, which is why it's no coincidence that all these stories have been coming up in the last few days about Milan pursuing a right back, and apparently we're pursuing right backs in the summer, but now it will be a pressing issue in January, as will another central midfielder, because Chalinolu could not cut it. Uh, we can get to that more in the options beside Chalinolu in a minute. But Ben has to be out there. And because he wasn't out there, there was no one to control the middle of the park. There was no one for the defense to get the ball to, to create things going forward. For those first 30 minutes like you were talking about, we could barely get the ball out of our own half because there was no one who was an option to turn to get the ball and then turn and start an attack going the other way. Yes, we had Rafael Leao out there. He was our best outfield player by far. That was a very good selection. But you gave him no help on that side of the field. Chalindolu was useless. If you had Lucas Paqueta in there, Lucas Paqueta, however the hell you say his name, I'm so mad right now. That would have made sense. He, You needed that playing like a Brazilian creative flair to go with what that Portuguese winger flair we saw the other day was. He looked like he was ready to to turn Diego Godin into a ghost weeks after he joined Inter. I mean, this was one of the big signings of the summer for Inter, was one of the best center backs in the world, and Rafael Leao showed that he could take him on. But he had no one to help him over there. Teo Hernandez would have helped him as a left back. Rodriguez was useless. Paqueta would have helped him. Chalinola was useless. And then because of that, you know, there was no one for him to get the ball to in the center of the ground because Billy is useless going forward. Benacer would have been a huge help. Suso's is over there doing his thing. And that leaves Piotek on an island. And Piotek on an island has been a problem and that's part you can say that's partly because of him and his inability to be more than a one-dimensional player that's fair but to give him nothing around him in terms of creativity look this this is what it boiled down to you just how like what were we doing you're you're completely handcuffing this team when you're Gianpaolo because of your inability to put the I'm going to put one in the <laughs> jar right now jar. the best players in their best positions, you're leaving crucial players, game-changing players out of your lineup against the best team in the league. Let's be very clear about that. It is Inter right now. It is not Juventus. Inter are the best team in this league. And they are your biggest rivals. And you needed a statement in this game. You needed to send everyone out there. In front of your executives, in front of your fans, in front of the FIFA president, in front of Ronaldo, in front of all the legends that were there, and in front of the entire world watching. And you decided to throw crap out there. So
0: we can start with the lineup. So Don Ruma and goal, uh, right to left... Conti, Musacchio, Romagnoli, Rodriguez, Kessie, Bilia, Chalinoglu, Suso, Piontek, Liao. Couple takeaways for each player for me. Just real quick. Donnarumma, the only reason we did not lose 6-0. He was an absolute hero in that first half.
1: He earned himself a raise.
0: He absolutely did. Because... To any team in the world, you can show a tape of the first half. Let's say the first 30 minutes. This dude standing on his head dealing with shockers all around him. He deserved one of the Man of the Match awards on Milan for me. Andre acconti Shocking. It is like he has never defended before. He didn't add anything going forward, so he took away any redeeming quality there. Uh, he tried, but he failed consistently. And then when he's defending, I didn't see him close someone down once. Not a single time. Both goals were either directly or indirectly his fault. So I'm done with him. Get him out. I'm done. I don't want to see him ever again. Musakio... Honestly, that shrug emoji is me with Musakio, Cause I don't, he didn't he didn't do anything wrong for me, but he didn't do anything like superb for me. Uh Romagnoli, fine, good. You know, one of the only defensive things that we had going for us was Alessio Romagnoli, proving once again, yes, he is class. Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez. This dude established his shocking game like 10 minutes in. This guy, like, back passes to Donnarumma when someone is over his shoulder. Just misplaced passes, inability to defend. The only redeeming thing Ricardo Rodriguez has for him is going forward, and he failed consistently at that. So I'm done with him, too. I, I Teo Hernandez came in for him an hour too late. Rodriguez should have been subbed off in the 15th minute. And Teo Hernandez would have assisted a goal. Because he was on the pitch for 10, maybe 15 minutes. And he had a better game than Ricardo Rodriguez. Kessie, good. I mean, fine. You know, Kessie was fine. A good, like he Frank Kessie had a Frank Kessie game and that was him. That was it. Bilia, slug. Absolute slug out there. I have no idea why you leave Benissaire on the bench. I there's no there's no reason for me anymore. There's nothing you can tell me that tells me Bilia would be a better choice than Benissaire now. I'm done. Chalinoglu, same thing. Useless. This dude was a bum out there. There's no reason Pakita should not start over Chalonoglu. Going forward, starting now. Suso in the middle, it, like, he, that, we were talking before of, you know, I don't know who can be uh, Trey Cortista. It, could it be X? Could it be Y? Well, it's not Suso. Because he just drifts to the right every single time. He's not good enough at the cutting on his left foot thing to be Aryan Robin, where you know he's going to do it, but then he scores on you anyway, and you're like, oh, wow, he just did that again, didn't he? Right? Suso literally tried it like three times and got blocked and dispossessed each time. He was trying to do Suso ball, and it didn't work. He, like, he needs to be on the right wing, and that's it. He can write himself into the right wing. He's, he, I'm not trying to knock him, but him in the center, it doesn't work. Tech was left on an island, missed a clear-cut chance where he rose up like a salmon above two defenders, and just misplaced a header. And I don't know what we're paying you for if you're not going to put that through. He was a ghost. He was invisible. To the point where AC Milan put on their Instagram after the game Um, basically a picture that said, you know, not what we wanted, but, you know, we'll get him next time. And it had Piantec in there, and all the comments were, "Alora, Like, there he is! Found him! (laughs) There he is! And Liao was the man of the match. Yeah. Uh, Who's not named Donnarumma. Liao, very quickly established his willingness to go forward, his ability to break the lines... His ability to change the pace of the game and the play and like dynamic is the word that came to mind for him. He was that all game long. He was good. And just to to give you an idea, right? So we were getting shredded by Lautaro Martinez, Lukaku expected, uh, Sensi when he wasn't being fouled, um, and Danilo Dambrosio. Danilo Dambrosio was eating Ricardo Rodriguez for
1: lunch. All right, that was that that was the thing for me. I was just gonna bring that up. Um, I'm gonna I was gonna go through each player too, but I wanted to bring up about Danilo Dambrosio how one player absolutely wrecked him, and another player got absolutely eaten alive by him. Liao and Ricardo Rodriguez. Embarrassing. And
0: Liao was runn- running him over all game. There there was not a time where you could have said that Dan- Danilo D'Ambrosio was actually covering Rafa Liao. Because he was, I mean, he was always, he was matched up with Godin so much more than D'Ambrosio. And... Godin did what he could, but obviously Liao was willing to take on that challenge and didn't have a weak mentality like Chalinoglu and Bilia. And I just don't, you know, again, Jar, why are the play- why is this so hard? Why, like, after this game, Teo Hernandez over Rodriguez every single day of the week and twice on Sundays, Benicero over Bilia twice on Sundays, Chao Noglu, get him out. You can use Chao Noglu as a sub. He's the one guy that I would be okay with using as a sub. That's fair. But he starts, or uh, he needs to not start anymore with Pakita starting when healthy. Um, Liao, start every game now. Yeah. All right? The ideal going forward for me, and then I'll I'll give it back to you, Donnarumma, Calabria until we upgrade, Musacchio, Until Caldara, um, Romagnoli, Hernandez, Kesi Benacer, Paquita with Bonaventura uh, available, and then Chalonoglu as a sub, um, and then on the right would be Suso, middle would be Piontek, and then the left would be Liao, or... Liao as striker, Piontek on the bench, and Rebic at left wing. That is 4-3-3, right? That's our lineup going forward. And I'm not, like, when a lineup comes out and it's not that, I'm just going to say that lineup. Because this this is it. for This was the final straw for me. For some of these players, I, evict them. Get them out of here. I don't ever want to see Ricardo Rodriguez, Andrea Conti, Chalhoubu, or Bilia starting another game for AC Milan this season unless absolutely, positively necessary. And none of them are good for subs except for Chalhoubu, and he should not be starting. Um, that this did it for me.
1: Yeah, I, this was. I think this was the last draw for a lot of people. And I'd even go so far as to say that when Paqueta is out there starting, Bonaventura. Is the first option off the bench ahead of Chalinolu, um when he's healthy, and it looks like he is finally healthy. Look, I I want to copy and paste that exact lineup philosophy that you just shared with either of those two possible lineups. Those are the only things that are acceptable at this point. Just to really quickly go through, Donnarumma was unbelievable. We don't even we don't need to talk about any other possibilities unless he ends up leaving and who could really blame him this time around. If he ends up leaving, uh, he's going to like, he's either going to get paid here or he's going to get paid a lot more elsewhere. Uh, Calabria is the only right back we can count on because Andrea Conti was absolutely horrendous. He did not close down Lautaro Martinez on that cross into Lukaku, which was just absolutely embarrassing. Where the hell was he on that free kick when Brozovic ran off the ran off the dead ball and just stood there, and no one closed him down, that should have been Andrea Conti. What's Andrea Conti going to do in the middle of the box against Lukaku or someone like that? Are you kidding me? What was that? And right there was where the match was lost. Um, Musakio, like you said, doesn't really deserve anything other than a shrug emoji, which is I think what you can say about Musakio ever since he's been in the eleven, as we've been, especially since we've been waiting for Caldara to get healthy and waiting for a sighting of him like he's some mythical creature. Uh, Look, when you're a decent center back and you're next to Alessio Romagnoli, you're not going to get noticed as much because Romagnoli is going to make sure that this team doesn't leak goals out of the back. Look, they gave up two goals. They've conceded at a rate lower than most teams in the league. (laughs) I think this is, we were talking about this off air. There are two teams that have conceded Fewer goals or as many goals as Milan. Milan have given up three goals in their four games. Only Lazio on three and Inter on one have conceded as many or fewer. That is an outstanding defensive rate. However, the problem is in the attack, where Milan have only scored twice in four games, joining Udinese and Sampdoria as the lowest scoring team in the league. Absolutely embarrassing. That, again, the defense has never been the problem overarching with this team. Clearly, we have a depth problem at right back, and that needs to be addressed. And clearly, Rodriguez was absolutely horrendous. And thankfully, we have Teo Hernandez now that should be replacing Rodriguez. In the middle of the park, we're fine. We have one of the best center backs in the world, and we have a serviceable guy next to him. Rodriguez was pathetic. Every single chance that Inter got for the most part in that first half was directly Rodriguez's fault. And I think back to that shot off the post with a wide open net where Rodriguez acted like he didn't have anyone that he needed to defend. I mean, that was just humiliating. That was humiliating as a fan thousands of miles away to watch. Um, Going forward, Kessier did his job. He's very good at doing his job, and he's a very good central midfielder. Belia, I swear to God, I never want to see him on that field again. <laughs> I am so done. And it's really frustrating because in, I downloaded FIFA 20 last night. I got the three-day early access. He's rated as an 82. Ha! And Benacer is rated as a 74. And I have this freaking dilemma that I have to deal with. And I'm, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to start Benacer, And I'm going to get his rating up. And it's going to be fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. No, really, it's fine. I just I need to give a shout-out to our man, Douglas Ramsey, on the, on the 11 thoughts after the match. He was talking about the guys who didn't play. And this was point number nine on his piece, if you haven't seen it already. And the first line of the, the ninth point about the players who did not play is just an all-caps, two-word sentence. Play Benacer. It's All. And I don't understand how Giampaolo is the only person in the world who doesn't understand this. Every single person in the world who follows this team knows that Ismael Benassar should be on that field. Don't understand it. Chalinolu, never again. Get him off. He's now behind Paketa and Bonaventura. Last resort. It's over. And don't you dare play him on the left wing because we've tried that. It's not great. Or, or at Regista. Yeah. Oh, I'm, there's a beer next to me. I'm, I'm not going to crush it right now. Um, that just got me really close to that. Going forward, Suso is always going to play out on the right. Never play him through the middle again. And if he's going to run through the middle, look for your passing options. Because you had Rafael Leal wide open, sprinting down that wing, and yes, you had just done all the work. And yes, it was a good run. But the team needs a goal. You don't need a goal. The team needs a goal. And you were getting closed down, and he was right there to put it in. And by the way, Cassie was too. Yeah. Yep. Both of them were open. It was ridiculous. I mean, the, the, the stills that you see of where they were is just, it makes it worse than when you see it in, in
0: real time. And then you notice that later in the game, Liao had Suso wide open at the top of the box and didn't pass to him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was pretty much the story of the game.
1: Yeah, exactly. So Piotek, I don't know. I, I can't figure out what's going on with him. Either it's just bad form or he's not used to Zampala's system yet or he just truly is a one-dimensional player, one-season wonder. And help us if that's the case. After the money we paid, the hype that we bought into, and the hype that was believable because of the performances at the end of last season. And look, this is where I just need to go back real quick to Paketa. Because I said this over and over again on the podcast last year and going into this season. I thought Piątek was at his best when Paketa was playing in that central midfield spot and dropping in and playing as this playmaker and getting the ball into him. I thought that that was an outstanding partnership. And I think that both players were at their best when they allowed each other to thrive. So I say go with pa- go with Piotek and go with Paqueta and see if we can reestablish that. Because look, we were talking about what do we do about a uh, Trequartista playing in number 10. And I've been saying it. Paqueta on the left, dropping in behind the striker with Leal out to the left, Suso out to the right, or Leal through the middle, Rebic to the left, that is a lethal attack. And the problem all season has been that this team has nothing going forward, has no creativity going forward. I think that's solely because Giampaolo hasn't allowed them to be their creative selves. This whole Pacqueta is too Brazilian thing. You need guys like that. You need a system, but you also need guys who are going to create, who are going to use their flair, to make something out of nothing, which is what Paqueta does so well. So I don't understand why this is such a problem for him. Look, it it seems like Giampaolo feels like Milan is another Sampdoria or another Empoli, where he's going to come in and he's going to build his team around his philosophy over time. And look, it's great to have a philosophy, and we've talked about that with Giampaolo. But it's like he's forgetting that the the directive and the necessity is to finish fourth. It's to be one of the four best teams in this league. It doesn't matter how you do it. It just matters that you do it. Because if you get to the Champions League next year, you've achieved that goal. And we've got that money coming in. And the priority isn't going to be to win the Champions League next year. It's not going to be to win the Scudetto next year. It's just going to be to continue to build off of that success of getting back into the top four and becoming a regular Champions League team again, because that's where we belong, because we're still the second winningest team in Champions League history. It just seems like he's like, oh, I'm just going to build this team over a few years, and then a few years down the line, we'll be competing to get back into Europe. No, that's not how it works here. That's how it works in Genoa. That's how it works at Empoli, but not here. You need to finish top four this year. Best players best positions keep that idea about how you want to play but get the damn results
0: and and speaking of giampalo there was a report today from calcio mercato.com uh saying that marco giampalo has three games left to save his job uh again as a refresher uh milan have beaten brescia and Hellas verona and have lost to Udinese and Inter. So we're four games in. And now we're already getting reports that Paolo has three games left. And he then, you know, very shortly after this report, got some backing from the club. Paolo Maldini uh, basically came out and said, yeah, we, he has support of the club. But it's really...
1: That's what they yeah, all say. Yeah,
0: exactly. This is just... that That's what people say... When there are reports of a coach possibly losing his job because he hasn't done a good job, which frankly, so far, he hasn't. He hasn't. We were clueless against Udinese. Udinese was like, we had literally not played a preseason game. And then Brescia was like, all right. We got our first win, but what did we learn? Nothing. And then Hellas Verona. It's like, all right, well, we're back from the international break. All right, we got to warm up for Inter, and we're flat. But we beat a team because we're better than them, right? We legitimately won that for no good reason.
1: That's the same with Russia, too. I think you can make that case. Yeah,
0: we won because we had better players and a better team, but not because we deserved to. Like... You know, we earned three points, but no one will say that it's impressive. No one will say that we earned it. No one will say um, that we played like the team we should be. And then we come up against Inter, this was a reality check. This is what this was. Because this really proved to us, you know, because we were like, okay, you know what? We, you know, we beat Brescia, we beat Hellas Verona, you know, Let's hope Unesi was just a blip on the radar, right? Well, no, it it wasn't because we played that badly against Inter. This is the top team in the league, if not the second best team in the league, and we just got this handed to us on a silver platter. This was all but done. I mean, we we should have been buried in the first half if it wasn't for Gigio. And honestly, coming into halftime, I was like, you know what? We can win this game. Because those 15 minutes were actually promising. They had the ball. They had possession. They were moving the ball. They were getting forward. You know, you had chances that should have been finished. But they weren't. Which is going to happen, right? But then you come at halftime... And it's like they were like, all right, we got it. Just keep doing that. And Inter came out like, oh, God, we got to make sure that doesn't happen again. And then they adjusted. It was back and forth for another 10 minutes. And then the free kick, first of all, really idiotic concession by Andrea Conti. This guy, obviously, when he leaves his feet, is absolutely a liability. As soon as he goes to ground. Something bad is going to happen. He didn't get a shred of the ball on that tackle. He conceded a free kick and basically waved it off because he was like, oh, well, at least, you know, at least it didn't score. And then Brozovic pulls off. No one marks him. And he just shoots. Like, yeah, that's going to happen. And then the Lukaku goal was icing on the cake. Should have been three in the second half because Kandreva hit the post. Ahem, Candreva came in and ripped us apart and should have scored. All right, it wasn't bad enough that D'Ambrosio was tearing us up, right? Had to be Candreva too. Uh, Lutaro Martinez should have had two. Lukaku should have had three. Um, it, I, again, this is a reality check for me. Of uh, This is how good we are. This was a statement of, at this moment, how much do we have our stuff together? We don't. All right, we thought that it was kind of coming together, especially last 15 minutes of the first half. We thought it was coming together. It was not. It is not. We are not seeing pretty much any direction right now because the best players aren't on the pitch. We need to get the best players on the pitch. I mean, start with that. It seems simple, right? I don't know what the vendetta is, um, except against Brazilians, apparently. And I have no confidence for this Torino lineup. You know, looking forward a little bit, we have Torino on Thursday. We have Fiorentina on uh, Sunday. There should be six points. I have maybe confidence in two. Which is shocking, because I, I just don't know what to, like... What are we going to get anymore? I don't know because I'm not convinced that someone like, I mean, obviously with the quick turnaround, you're going to see changes. I get it. But like, give me something to be positive about because this result showed me where we are. And it's not encouraging.
1: It's embarrassing. I mean, I don't know what else we can say other than this is really embarrassing and we're in a state of crisis at the moment. Um, two points over these next two games. My gosh, I wouldn't even want to wait for the third game. I, I don't, and I, the problem is we were talking about this report. What do you do then? Like, what, what can you possibly do? Maybe Marcelino, and that's about it, which I don't think that would necessarily be a bad hire, but my gosh, like we are talking about seven games into the season. With Gianpaolo, this would be happening. And these next, I mean, these next four games alone, Torino, Fiorentina, Genoa, Lecce, we should be getting 12 points out of that.
0: That should should be be 12 12 points. points, And we should
1: be going into them on nine points. I mean, we could have looked at this, we could have looked at Udinese, Brescia, and Verona and said, that is nine easy points. It should be. Yep. And you know what? I think last year, even, as crazy as it sounds, that would have been nine points. Because I think that team fought better last year. And it seems like, you know, we knew Gattuso was going to leave if they didn't make top four. But, man, like, if he had... I feel like if he had this team this year that was brought in by Maldini and Boban, we would be talking about a much different team at the moment. Because I think that Gianpaolo right now i mean is so stubborn and so set in his ways and so it we're going to do this my way and it's going to be a slow build we, we can't afford a slow build we need to finish in the top 4 we can't we can't afford to be losing any more points between now and november
0: i mean because as we've said november is yeah. the death row schedule November uh, for those... We went over it last podcast, but November 3rd, Lazio. November 10th, Juventus. November 23rd, Napoli. Those are the three Serie A November matches. And those right now are looking like severe yeah. Ls. All three. All three of them.
1: And then, so, you know, what the hell do you do? I mean, there, it doesn't... This all comes back to what we've been saying and we keep throwing money into the jar for best players. You're not doing anyone any favors by leaving your best players out and by sticking to some rigid philosophy and just like being so inflexible that it seems like you don't care about the results. I mean, it just it flat out looks like he doesn't care about the results. Which is just really upsetting to say, and I'm getting to a point where I'm thinking to myself, you know, he deserves more than seven games. But at the same time, if after these seven games we are in, we are in deep, in deep deep crisis. You just gotta you gotta cut your losses. I mean, again, like again, exactly. Again, and then what do you do? So, I mean, there is no excuse for losing these games. Torino are not that good. They're okay, but they're not that good. And I'm really afraid that we're going to see a repeat of last April, which was the nail in the coffin in the top four race, pretty much. Um, Fiorentina, not good. Very not good. Not, yeah. Really not good. If you lose that game or draw that game at home the way we did last year, I, these two game, I keep looking at these two games at Torino and home against Fiorentina, and I'm thinking in my head, these are two games that cost us last year. These are two of the games that decided our fate last year because they were embarrassing results. And, man, it is just not filling me with confidence. I'm going to go out and say at least four points. I And I feel like if you play your best team, it's going to be six.
0: So speaking of who will play, right? So... Paqueta is going to miss these two games with a muscle problem, according to reports. So we are locked into Chalunoglu for the next two games.
1: Unless Bonaventura plays, because apparently he might be healthy.
0: Unless, so what I'm, what I'm looking at is I have a projected lineup from Gazeta and it has Donnarumma, Hernandez, Romagnoli, Musacchio, Calabria, Chaunoglu, Beneser, Kessi, Suso, Liao, Piantic. Interesting. Not bad. Really wish we had Paqueta, because then, now we're talking. Yeah. The
1: best players are on the pitch. I'm seeing one flaw in that entire 11. One and a half with Piantic. It's for me it's suso trecortista
0: because we're going to I don't know what we're expecting anymore. Yeah. And Sean I would swap out for Paquita, but he's injured. Uh, exactly. and then next game I like you expect that it will not be Sean it will be Bonaventura against Fiorentina, which I would take. That I, I I dig that. Another quick stat for you. You were talking about goals conceded and goals um scored. We have the third lowest chances, or sorry, third least shots on target of all Serie A teams so far this season. Third, We had one shot on target against Inter, and that is really, really concerning. To give you an idea, the two teams below us are Torino and Spal.
1: We have 15 shots on target all season. And you know what? I've seen, I've seen better attack. I've watched a bit of Spall in Torino this year. I've seen better attacking. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. It's really just appalling.
0: And we were talking earlier today, and I want to address this because of the gianpaolo uh, thing. And my take on, you know, three games to save his job, right? Look, it, we're four games in. Has he done a good job right now? No, he is not. I think that's pretty universal. The thing, what we were promised, we're not seeing. We're not getting it yet. And I know that's high expectations. And I know it's part of the, like, AC Milan, what we were versus what we are versus what we want to be thing of, we need to be one of the top four so that we can get then to the top three and then the top two and then finally win again, right? Because we haven't. And... I know it's the high expectations of every single coach we bring in has that weight on his shoulders of you need to be the guy to do all of this. And I know that's a lot, but four games in, we're still not seeing it. We're not seeing the best players. We're not seeing a consistent formation. We're not seeing any consistency on the pitch. We're not seeing any consistency in mentality. We're not seeing pretty much anything positive except for six points. And those six points are against vastly inferior teams that we should beat and we should have nine because the first game of the season was a shambolic performance against a team that we should have beat. So my thing is, though, I know that Giampaolo is a better coach than Vincenzo Montella. And he deserves more time. Evidently, he just wasted the preseason. All right, I'm 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 just going to go ahead and throw preseason out because that's what Udinese was for to me uh, because we didn't see anything that looked coherent in that game. He should get half the season. Because my other thing. He should get at least half the season. Because my other thing is. If you replace him now. I mean you're hitting the reset on the whole thing. No one. If you bring someone in mid season, You're basically writing off the season. hope it isn't a disaster. And you try and do the next season. Which is what we've been doing since we fired Allegri. I do don't want the carousel to continue i need him to stay because i i figure the 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 risk reward right so the risk is that he keeps on losing he doesn't get it together okay if we are just shambolic right then yeah fire him but if we if if things start coming together and we get some a couple results not great but we got some against some teams that we should beat and then just ignore october and or excuse me november ignore november entirely because we're gonna get smashed um then we can talk like okay you know at least we have some points and now we're into a little bit of an easier stretch because we got through death row and now let's like The risk is you just keep losing if you Shambhala fire him. But maybe he gets it together. Maybe things start really shaping up. Players get healthy. Things get together. He deserves some time. Don't fire him after four games, right? Like Valencia did with Marcelino. And we were talking earlier, you and me and the rest of the AC Milan offside in our group chat, of who is... If you're going to fire him, right, you have to tell me who's available. You have to tell me who out there is better who comes in. Because when we fired Gattuso or when we walked away from Gattuso, it was, okay, it's going to be Gianpaolo. It's like, okay, that's a direction, right? But so far, Paolo Fonseca is everything that we hoped Marco Gianpaolo would be at Roma. He has done everything has been, you know, it's coherent. It's, they know exactly what they're trying to do. They do it, you know, it's just together, right? They nailed that hire. And now they can move on to the results. They don't have a question about their coach. We do. Because the results aren't coming and the style isn't coming. Who's available? Sorry is not available. Conte is not available. Carlo is not available. Rafa
1: Benitez, not available. So now, let's talk... People who are. I can think of one name. I can think of Marcelino. And I don't think it's much difference than Gianpalo.
0: I honestly, for the life of me, don't understand why it was fired at Valencia after four
1: games. He's Gianpalo, but it seems like he likes to play the Brazilians. And honestly, at this point, that might be the whole difference.
0: Other names outside of Marcelino. Because I'm not trying to do a marcelino in campaign quite yet. We'll, we'll save that for two months. Um, names... Of people who currently do not have a job, Allegri. I take him. He wouldn't take us. He wouldn't take. He wouldn't come to this. It's it's the same thing as Conte and Ancelotti. Why would they come here? Be like, ugh you guys need to get together a little more before I can come here and make this a winning team. Because right now, it doesn't seem like a winning team. If they were to perform better, then yeah, we can talk. But right now, it's just not there. Uh, Jose Mourinho, again, he's not going to do it. And do we want Jose?
1: Do we really? Do we really? We're talking about being too pragmatic right now. And then we're going to float the name Jose exactly. Mourinho.
0: Uh, Marcelino, <laughs> um, Luciano Spalletti. Um, I'll um, pass. Uh, Reno Katuso. a who, frankly, I would have rather had last game. I would have rather had Katuso yeah. for the intergame game. Uh, Arson Wenger. Um. Well, uh, it's an
1: interesting idea, but de uh, definitely is a possibility.
0: Uh, is, possibility. Uh, he is doing punditry and uh, nothing else. <laughs> um, Javier I'm just going to say pass. It's it's not like a. I don't. I just don't think. I'd rather have Marcelino than Javi Gracia. Um, uh, Dominique Tedesco, who doesn't seem to be a match in pretty much anything, uh, he seems very much more of a Bundesliga guy than a Serie A guy. Um, and I don't see us going for Tedesco over the likes of these next two, who I do not want. This is the disclaimer I do not want these two at all. They're both bums. Uh, Stefano Pioli and Cesare Prendelli. Bums. It hurts me to say their names because I know that if not this iteration of Milan, some iteration of Milan would have gone after them. And it would have been a disaster. So, out of those names, Marcelino is the one for me. I... But... I'm not ready to pull the trigger on Gianpaolo quite yet. Not, not yet, not yet,
1: not yet. I know I was talking about, like, at that point, like, what do you do? But it, like, it seems like this is a really simple fix of just put your guys out on the field in a position to win. And it feels like that's not what's happened so far. It seems like, like, we have, like, six points from a possible 12. It feels like we have less. Just because they've been so lackluster. If you just put Ben out there, he's only played over, like he's played under 120 minutes. If you put him out there, if you put Leao out there in a position to dominate the way you did the other day, but you, then you give him the support of a Teo Hernandez and a Lucas Paqueta, th- just those four guys being in the lineup, because you're talking about four out of 11. That's a lot. Just put those guys in And then this whole problem is probably solved, especially since until death row, you're only playing Roma. Realistically, that's the only team you have to worry about between now and November. If you put your best players out there, that's all you have to deal with. And you don't have to worry about squad rotation for the most part because you don't have a lot of these short weeks. You're not playing in Europe. You can go out there and put your best team on the field pretty much every single week. So there's no... It just keeps coming back to this. There's no excuse.
0: And there are some more looking forward to Torino. Uh, I mentioned the formation earlier, or the the projected or the probable or possible. Um, There's another option that I'm going to throw at you, and this is via Sky, who has something different than Gazeta. Surprise, surprise. Which would be Beneser in the Regista role. Rebic or Liao... this is what the Sky Report says. Uh, Revitch left winger in the 4-3-3, Liao, center forward, in Piatek's place. So that I would also be willing to try. But the problem is, the more we try things like this, the more I'm like, one, what were we waiting for? And two... I mean then we're going to start getting into Vincenzo Montella not starting the same lineup at all ever thing where he started 22 games with different formations and starting lineups. So what I want uh, what I want against Torino and frankly what I want against Fiorentina is I want them to have a clue. Like I I know that sounds very arbitrary and I know it sounds very um, jaded because I am, um, but I need, I need them to look like they have an idea of what they were doing because for 30 minutes against Inter, they were clueless for 90 minutes against Udinese, they were clueless for 45 against Hells Verona clueless and for, I'll give them 45 against Brescia clueless. So like half the season plus they've looked like they don't know what they're doing I need them to come out against a not good Torino and a very not good Fiorentina led by the ever-pursuing relegation of Vincenzo Montella. I need them to come out, and I I, I can't say this any better or differently. I need them to look like they, one, give a damn, two, actually try and have a clue of how to... One, do what your manager is asking, because I know what gianpaolo is asking for is not what we have seen on the pitch. That's one of the most frustrating things, is not only, because I know that gianpaolo is probably this upset. Because there's no way that he came away from the intergame after the first 30 minutes and was like, oh yeah, that was good. All right? He's not Greg Berhalter, who will come out after getting run over and be like, oh, well, you know, there were some positives. No, there weren't. It was shit. All right? I want them to come out. I want them to look cohesive as a unit. I need them to have creativity in the midfield. I need them to have... Actually, some aspect of cohesion and clinical ability going forward, and I know this is starting to get too much to ask, but I, I need something. I need an idea. I need I need what Rafa Liao had against Inter. I need that for more than just one player, and I need it for more than 15 to 45 minutes. That's what I need. And I, I'll i try and be positive again. Positivity Podcast. Um, will do a 2-1 win against Torino. I think, I mean, he's got to whip them into shape somehow. He's got to get some response from them. And it's a midweek game. And then they're against Fiorentina. And my fear is that they will draw one of these games. Um, but Torino... Uh, if we're going to draw a game, it's going to be Torino. And then if if we have to win a game, it's going to be Fiorentina. We're beating Fiorentina. That's going to be, let's say, 2-0. And Torino, uh, I want to say a 2-1 win. Uh, yeah, to heck with it. I'll go a 2-1 win against Torino. Six points, rebound, we're okay. Damage control, we're all right. We're
1: okay. So that's, that's what I'm going with. Just so I don't have the same scores as you, I'm going to go 1-0 at Torino. I, you know, I think that again the defense is fine as long as you just never see and- Andrea Conti again and especially Ricardo Rodriguez. Uh, I think I think that they can stop Belotti. I think that they can get a one nil out of that and then two nil against Fiorentina. Uh, look, they've got to get maximum points. They th- this seems like a game in Torino where they could absolutely draw, but it's just not acceptable especially after the Derby and the way they've played these first few games, they need to pummel every team they play until Roma. And then they need to show against Roma that they are a team to beat in the race for the top four. I mean, just simple as that. And then after that, you go into death row.
0: It's pretty straightforward. I just, again, really hoping we see an improvement. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, as much as I just preached, like patience and some pragmatism and like holding out for the future and stuff. If we get less than four points out of these two games, I'm coming with my pitchfork next week because I am done. If we get less than four points, I'm done. That's going to be it for me. So I'm hoping, you know, four points happens. Less is unacceptable. Six is what we need. Pretty simple. I'm sure that management has had the same conversation with Marco Giampallo. Nothing else. Get us wins. Come see us on Monday. We should all be good. But if you come in here with less than four points, there's going to be blood. And that's when we're going to start looking at the next international break which is after Genoa. So if they don't get those necessary, those like bottom line requirement four points, then it's going to be bad because then the next game is Genoa and then there's a break. And you would hate to be Marco Giampolo going into that office with Against a not great Genoa team, and then a break, that's when coaches get fired. So we'll see. Again, let's hope we have a clue better than against Inter. At more of those last 15 minutes of the first half. That's what we need. And we need more Liao. Um, and for the final time, no Conti, no Rodriguez, no Chalinoglu. Unless, I guess, absolutely necessary, because, I mean, he's at least kind of useful, but not really. And no, Belia, because he's not useful at all. He's trash. So, that is your rager of another episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we will see you next week after our first double double-header podcast recap uh this is the first time all season where we're gonna be reviewing two games uh in between pods so uh let's hope we come away with some more positives than this one because uh why have a podcast if you can't vent a little bit but holy moly we would have really rather been celebrating instead of coming into hello darkness my old friend again so on that note thank you for listening to another episode of the devil wears ross and arrow i'm patrick he's tim tim thank you very much for joining me as always a lot of fun and hopefully we have some positives next
1: week yeah as always a pleasure and now we can talk about this on twitter again too so i'll see you there
0: yeah and as always uh at stole underscore p and tim is back on twitter T fontanel, DWR, so T F O N T E N A U uh, L T D W R. If you go to my Twitter or uh, at SBN Russinero, you can find some tweets retweeted from him because our discourse is now back on Twitter and not just in our AC Milan offside Slack chat. So at Sol underscore P, at T Fontenot, D-W-R, and at SBN Rossonero, and acmilan.theoffside.com. Yes, I said AC Milan. That is the full name of the team. Uh, But acmilan.theoffside.com, where you can find all of our work for Tim, for the staff of the AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Let's get six points!